I'm Chelsea Zaccato. And I'm Natalie Heacock. And this is Lumber Slingers. Each podcast, we will be bringing you relevant and useful industry information, including interviews with top lumber professionals and discussion of current events in the industry. Whether it be lumber grading, industry and market trends, or who's who in lumber, we hope to extend your current tally on industry knowledge. All right. Well, Terry, Teresa, as I like to say sometimes when you're in trouble. Yes. Just kidding. Yes. Welcome to another Terms of the Trade. Well, thank you so much, Chatterley. Thank Aww. you so much for being here and always educating us. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. I would like to take a moment to say how proud I am of you. Guys. This is so oh. exciting. Yeah, it's easy to start something and be like, mm, that's a lot of work and then just let it go. So you guys sticking with it is... Thanks. It's a testament to your internal fortitude or something fluffy like that. Aww, thank you. Yeah. And I have to say, when people talk to us about the podcast, they always love the terms of the trade. Oh, so you have been like, you're copyrighted. You are the terms yeah. of the trade yes. with lumber slingers. Yeah. a big deal. <laughs> uh, right on. Yeah. So we're, we are, uh, we'll try to integrate more of these into our regular episodes. Oh, I have ideas. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we could even revisit some too, you know, like maybe go like the next level deeper. Definitely. Or maybe like break it out and be like, these are terms relevant to like a remanufacturer. These are terms relevant to like financial stuff, sort of what we're talking about today and like be bringing a little bit more specificity. Yes. Yeah. 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 I like that. Now, don't forget, you have to say some zinger cliff liner. Oh, do you want it now? Um, Just whenever you want to work it in. Okay. 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 And for people listening, they will, uh, they'll know because if they see the clip on Instagram, they will feel like, oh, yeah. that's why they did that to grab yeah. us on Instagram yeah. under this podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. All right. So um, I'm late to this party, but whose idea was credit terms? Well, it was Terry. Terry came up with all the terms today. So yeah, I came up with a list of terms. I think it was a like a mutual meeting of the minds kind of. I think we actually didn't we talk about credit terms at the end of the last one and then we just haven't done it. We I think we did. We yeah. touched on it a little bit. I think it was mostly like surfacing and things like that that we talked about, like wood specifically terminology last time. Yeah, we talked about it, sales terms that come up as a trader. So maybe that came up. Yeah. For that. But yeah, probably a little bit of redundancy. Always good to revisit because uh I still have to look things up all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, here's your here's your uh, cliffhanger. I think uh, a lot of people don't really understand the liability associated with shipment terms specifically until they have to. So I think you can never talk about them too much. Dun, dun, dun. We need like, um, once we get, you know, help with the podcast, <laughs> we need like to uh, put like little audio clips, like background noise. Oh, like the dun dun dun. Yes, yes, yes. Right absolutely. There. Yeah, great. So, should we dive in? Yes. Let's show. First one, Terry. Um, I'll save the first one until later because okay. that's where like the liability issues come into play. So, I think the first place to start would be with some of like the payment terms that people see on a very common, regular, daily basis. Like the most common one is one percent, ten, net eleven. Well, what does that really mean? That means that if you pay your invoice within in full within the first 10 days, you don't get a discount. 
You do. You do get a discount. discount. (laughs) You do get a see. That's why this is a team effort. Um, You do get a discount. You can take one percent every now and then. You'll see one and a half or two percent, but the industry standard is one. And then after the ten days, you have to pay the invoice in full, and there is no discount. And it's a great incentive that uh, vendors put out for their customers to make sure that they keep cash flow moving, right? And it, you know, I want to save one percent on a million dollar invoice or even a fifty thousand dollar invoice. So that's a very, very common one. Something I didn't realize. So I actually learned that term in college, which is really interesting Ooh. in one of my classes. And okay, great. 1%, 10, and 11. Great. Move on. Then you get into the real world. And then all of a sudden you see like 1% 30, net 31, one and a half percent 12, net 13. Like it can be any variation. Mm-hmm. It's like you just have to understand the general concept, and then you can apply it to any sort of dates or whatever you want to do or percentages. Right. We actually have some set up in our system. I went through there to pick some of the really common ones. And one was like 1% prox 12th net 13. I mean, it was obviously something we... For the record, that was before my time. I would never set up that term. I'm not even really sure what it means. I mean, just like if you pay approximately around the 12th, you can take a discount. Like, yeah, it's, it's... I guess it's all discretionary, but it's just, uh, I mean, I guess it just says you can be really creative, whatever you're willing to, uh, whatever you're willing to absorb. I think something else that you said that was interesting too, is that the 1% 10, 11 is, I think, a lumber industry standard term. It has been in the whole 30 years that I've been doing it. It's the most commonly used set of payment terms. And I've recently seen a lumber company get rid of it. No terms, no discount discount at all. Mm -hmm. Done. Interesting. Not going to name names, but so I'm I'm curious. Like, is that going to go away? Is it just this one company? Uh, It's really interesting. I wonder if that's tied to ACH, which is also on the list. Where you know you're you're making your payments electronically, right? So do does it really make any sense to offer a discount if you pay early? Because if you're doing it via ACH, it's going to be super fast anyway. So why bother to offer you a discount? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe yeah. Or when you send the payment though is interesting and something that we did. When we offered um, ACH, because we didn't have ACH until, I don't know, maybe five years ago. And now mm-hmm. we're trying to get everybody onto ACH. Mm-hmm. And um, something we did was we gave extended terms if they used ACH. Oh, I remember a customer in particular that we did that for. Yeah. yeah. Gave them an extra two or three days. Right. Because it gets here so quickly. Yeah. It's really yeah. interesting. Well, and and as a, as a recap, ACH is... Uh, Technically, it's just a way to transfer money from an account to another. It's like when you go online and you pay your bills through your bank's portal, that kind of thing. So there's no check to be written. There's no, you don't have to be face-to-face with anybody and hand off um, a cash representing document that it's all digital. So super fast, super fast. So we're going to mark ACH off the list yes. now too. And one other word or one other term that I want to add in there that sometimes gets interchanged with ACH is EFT, electronically. Oh. Electronic funds, funds transfer. transfer. It's going to go backwards there. So those kind of flip-flop sometimes. And then something else I think that's worth mentioning is a wire transfer. Mm-hmm. And a wire transfer and an ACH are not the same thing. And it's important to know that wire transfers generally are more expensive. They require a little bit more detail. ACHs are usually um, more for like standard reoccurring payments, whereas a wire transfer is for like a one-off situation or, or not normal business transaction. I could see where all three of those terms would be confusing for like the lay person because to me, EFT and ACH are basically the same thing. <laughs> I think that those two are pretty similar. I'd have to look into it. 
hand in hand with the with the discount, the one percent ten net eleven is uh, a net term, so net ten, net fifteen, net thirty. That's really common as well. <clears throat> Basically, that just means the whole thing is due within ten days. No discount for you. No discount for you, Bretta. No soup for you. No soup. <laughs> and then there's ADI, which is sometimes coupled with some of these other terms. So it could be um, net 10 ADI. So that means it's all due 10 days after the date of invoice. Do you see that often? I don't think I see that Not anymore. very often. I Let's see if I think about it, probably in my history, it would be with like a small flooring distributor or something like that, where I don't really, if I were the distributor, I don't want to outweigh the cash until I actually get the wood. And if I wait 10 days after you've invoiced me, that's a reasonable transit time. All right. And then next up, we have cash in advance. That's exactly what it sounds like. I pay you before the wood even goes anywhere. Cash in advance. That is my favorite term. Mm -hmm. Uh, Often used when maybe it's a new customer and they don't have credit established or there's not a new customer and you know it's in your best interest to get paid ahead of time. I was going to say, when I hear cash in advance, I I don't feel good about it. I feel, no. but I mean, better that obviously we're covered in the beginning of the transaction. Mm-hmm. But when I'm thinking customers always want long-term established credit, you know, but. Yeah, nobody wants to build their book of business on cash in advance. I don't want like a one-to-one customer, I guess. Yeah. So yeah. a lot of times that's what those are. True. Well, and then there's also the instance where it's somebody that deals in seconds or rejects or, you know, buys your your older, less desirable wood pile. Seconds? I've never heard that before. Like rejects, outs. It's just another term for that? Yeah, it's just another huh. term for that. Yeah. Learn something over Yeah. Here. It's like going to the outlet store. Secondhand. Oh, seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, cash on delivery. That's right up there with cash in advance. COD. COD. Which I hate from a finance perspective because that's awkward. Who's collecting the check? Where are they getting it from? How's the check getting to me? Right. It's just like the one of the worst terms out yeah. there. Yeah, it works awkward. best for probably many, like a lumberyard or retail, but not very... Where their accounting like, function is there. Right. Exactly. Like not when your QC guys to one of our partner, goes to one of our partner mills and they hand them a check that one of our customers gave them. And then it ends up in your operations manager's bag for three weeks because she forgets to bring it into the office. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. That yeah, just like that. Just like that. Uh, due upon receipt, that's you are. basically the same as cash on delivery. Um, you get you get the material, I get the cash, and then which means this person, if it's due upon receipt, it's no terms. It's not like pay in ten days and get a discount, like we were talking about. Right. It's pay this right now. Right, and I suppose that's there's a negotiation or arrangement to be made. Does that mean? I have to show up when I bring you the material and you write me a check right then and there? Or do I trust you to sit down and write me a check then and there, put it in the mail or do the wire transfer or whatever, whatever the terms are. So I think a lot of people put due upon receipt just because like it, they still actually are offering terms though, at least maybe not for lumber, but in other like overhead invoices and things that we're dealing with for our office. It always says due upon receipt. Yeah, like your power bill or your gas bill, that kind of thing. Yeah. But then the the reality behind that or beyond that is that you get like the term until the next statement comes to actually pay it, right? right. So what is that, 30 days? So yeah, you're exactly right. You are still offering terms in those situations. Yeah. yeah. What's an LC? An LC is a complete and total pain in the rear. 
So um, a letter of credit or an LC is not super common, but it's more common in export business than it would be in domestic business uh, per se. So it's essentially it's essentially the bank getting into the middle of your transaction. And that's why they require all the documentation to be so fine-tuned and the periods need to be in the right places and the commas, et cetera. Because basically what the bank is saying is that if you as the buyer, for whatever reason, default on my invoice, the bank will step in and pay me. So they want the terms to be lined out very specifically. Everybody understands what their responsibilities are and they want to give everybody the opportunity to to not bring the bank in, right? They want you to be like, say say you default as the buyer. Well, this terminology in the letter of credit wasn't exactly right. So really the bank doesn't have liability here. Oh, so where are letters of credit most commonly used? Well, again, in export, probably in a more um, sort of sketchy scenario, let's say, where maybe the banking um, system on the other side isn't, as regulated as ours would be. Um, it does give people a sense of confidence that there is a bank involved in the situation. Um, but I personally feel like it's just um, it's just insinuating yourself into a situation that probably would be better served by, you know, you and I having an agreement on the side where you're going to pay me in upfront. We're we're dealing with a situation right now in a, in a country that won't be named where some of the some of the business is by LC. And it's because the bank is asserting and inserting itself into the business because then they take a chunk of the funds that are transferred. So are all export orders with LC or just when it's in that scenario? Most export, in my experience, is does not use LC. Oh. It's usually like cash against documents, which is a scenario in which I, as the shipper, would send the documents to the bank. The bank would hold the documents, which the purchaser needs to have physically on hand to collect the goods. The bank will hold the documents until the purchaser provides the funds to the bank, who then transfers them to me as the seller and then releases the documents to the purchaser. It's like it's like you're a the bank is a third party that's just, well, they're a clearinghouse for the documents, right? It's like a, it's like fight club, right? Somebody's got to hold the cash until the fight is over and then they're responsible for dispersing the cash afterwards. So cash against documents is really common for export. Um, and is that usually cash against documents? Is that usually the seller's bank or the buyer's bank? It is arranged through both banks. So our bank provides a tracking system. So there's forms that we fill out and they communicate with the other bank as well, because when those funds come through, it's a bank to bank transfer. They're not sending us a check, right? So mm -hmm. both banks are involved. So you're sending to the receiver's bank physically the documents. They're giving the funds to the receiver's bank and physically collecting. And then that bank is transferring the funds to our bank, your bank, and you're getting paid off of that. So it's everybody, everybody's involved. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then some of the common shipment terms when it comes to export are C and F and CIF. Those are very, very common. So C and F basically means that I, as the shipper, are, I'm providing the cargo and the freight. And just to clarify, because this took me a while, it's C and like mm -hmm. A N D F. Right. I was like C N F. I couldn't understand. Yeah, yeah. CNDFs, cargo and freight. And then there's CIF, cargo insurance and freight. 
So what I wrote here on our little definitions list is so for cargo and freight, the shipper is providing the cargo and associated freight charges, essentially including it all in the sell price. And you may or may not provide insurance. Your customer might provide their own insurance depending on what your requirements are, but it's not explicitly included in the C and F freight term. CIF includes cargo and insurance and the freight charges. Also, again, just essentially just wrapped up in the price. So it's like I, as the shipper selling you on CIF terms, I'm responsible for um, the freight itself, booking the freight, paying for the insurance, arranging and paying for the insurance. All of that stuff is my responsibility. There's this handy little um, spreadsheet that was created by... I believe it's called the International Chamber of Commerce. Um, it's called Inco Terms. And I know your listeners can't see this, but if you really want to blow your mind on all the different export terms that are out there and available to be used, the spreadsheet, if you guys looked at it, it lines out like who's responsible for what. And this mm. didn't print the whole thing, but but it lines out, you know, there's um, Freight alongside ship, that's an interesting one. FOB, which we're going to talk about. You know, there's CFR, which is essentially the same as CIF that we're talking about here. Sorry, C and F. And then CIF. And then there's also all sorts of other options there too. We can put the link to this in our show notes as well so people can take a look at it. Yeah, it's a really interesting spreadsheet because there's, like I said, there are a lot more options available than um, I think the average person pays attention to and maybe not a lot of it is relevant to lumber. I don't know that I've seen a lot of those terms on export documentation when it comes to lumber. But this it's interesting that it talks about sea and inland waterway transport as its own it has its own section versus any mode of transport. Oh that is interesting. Yeah. The website's really it's great. It's a great resource with lots of other information too as far as I saw a big big PDF document that talked about um, the difference between you know, different container sizes and other different um, international modes of transportation. It's really kind of cool if you're a, if you're a nerd for that kind of stuff. If I just think that knowing uh, any of these is so important, even on the sales side, because if you're agreeing to something and you're not clear on what these terms mean, mm-hmm. then, I mean, that could cost you your margin. It can cost your company a lot of money if you haven't worked out, you know, the correct percentage to put work into the sale absolutely yeah if you're offering a discount if you're offering a one percent discount you don't want to give that money away right so you're exactly right it's something you need to be aware of when you're building your file and then when you when you talk about the liability or the responsibility associated with the terms we can move on to talk about what fob means and why it's important that presentation i do for wood basics there's a slide on on this in particular because Again, like I said before, I don't think a lot of people really take the time to understand beyond the surface what the FOB terms really mean and where that puts you on the scale of responsibility. So in general terms, FOB just means free on board, right? So and it's either, I'm sure there are probably other options, but generally speaking, it's it's FOB mill, FOB mill plus, which could also be considered FOB origin or FOB origin plus or FOB delivered. So free on board is a fancy way of saying, I'm going to load your piece of equipment for you for free and I'm not going to charge you for it. So if it's free on board, mill, all I'm going to do is I'm going to put it on the truck. If it's free on board, mill plus, 
I'm going to put it on the truck. I'm going to arrange for freight. I'm going to contract with a carrier and I'm going to be the one to pay the carrier. And if it's FOB delivered, I'm going to do all of the same thing. The difference between that and mill plus is that mill plus that freight charge is likely going to be a separate line item on your invoice. So it's very clear. Like I'm billing you mill plus and I paid $1,900 to move this cargo to you. I'm billing you delivered. You don't get to know how much I'm paying for freight. So you are taking me at my word that I'm not sticking it to you and that this is this is really a, a reasonable sale price delivered my destination. Right. So what, what is important to remember is that if it's if it's FOB mill, you're responsible for booking the truck. You're paying the carrier. Okay. If you're the buyer. So. If you are the buyer. Thank you. So that makes you responsible for everything after the wood gets on the truck. So if there's an accident, it's it falls on you to make sure, hopefully before the wood gets on the truck, to make sure that your carrier has the appropriate insurance. And it's different if it's a broker versus if it's an owner-operator. So something to be aware of. That truck is an extension of the person that pays or to pays the freight bill or contracts the carrier. So as soon as it goes on there and leaves the yard, it is the responsibility of X person that contracted the carrier. And that is important because the person who owns the wood owns the claim. And then you start talking about what happens when insurance gets involved. You know, as the person that owns the wood, it's your responsibility to, to mitigate the losses for the insurance company. So then what does that mean? Does that mean you have to go find something you can turn the wood into so it retains some value? Do you have to go find somebody to buy it? Things that, again, people don't generally think about. And they're like, oh, it's just a freight term because they don't want to be responsible for, you know, they don't want to have a tra- have to have a traffic department. Or I want to be able to move the wood out of my yard in a timely manner, not wait on somebody else who, you know, maybe they're overstocked and they're not in as big of a hurry and I still want the cash flow. There are there are benefits there, sure. But the bigger picture it can be a, there can be a really substantial financial impact based on who contracts and pays the carrier. That is something that intentionally needs to be thought about when you're figuring out what terms you're going to sell your customers. That's a big, big deal. I mean, I've seen enough trucks roll or tip going around a weird corner or just some some random baloney happens mm-hmm. and then it's a scramble well who's who's responsible who's got the insurance paperwork did we did we vet this carrier before we even brought them into the yard you know these are all important things that need to be thought about before the wood gets on the truck mm-hmm. that's my that's my that's my soapbox for today <laughs> yeah yeah. It's important. It's very important. And if you don't know, you should ask your finance department because they should know the they will know the answers. Absolutely. For you. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's not as simple as like I know a guy who has a little box truck and he can run this across town for me. Right. Yeah. That's just setting yourself up for for potential problems. Right. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I had for you today. Well, I like that. That was a good roundup of these terms that both sales and finance side jobs will find useful and i think we should note if anybody has an idea for a theme for terms of the trade you can email lumberslanders at gmail.com and our wonderful resident terms men woman (laughs) (laughs) tomato tomato whatever yeah he can help us put together some terms and talk about them yeah terry's a walking dictionary so one that i want to do is old outdated terms that we don't use anymore yeah yeah not the 
questionable ones that might be inappropriate <laughs> and polite company, but maybe some that are right up there on the cusp. Yeah, I think that might be kind That'd of be fun. fun. Yeah. With drinks, we should do it over some cocktails. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That'd be even more yeah. fun. Or even like logging terminology. That might be fun. Like some of the equipment you'd see on a job site. Um, you know what we should do? I was thinking when we were talking, we should do an IT terms of the trade. Oh, that's oh great smokes. Yeah. That'll require some prep work, but yeah. Well, you know them. You're you're the, actually the acronym queen. <laughs> As I've been told. <laughs> so all those acronyms you use, we'll just break them down. Okay, we'll just search some old emails and pull other ones. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Well, Terry, our train's about to take off. But thank you so much for joining us today. You're very welcome. Oh my gosh, I, I hear it in the background. Yeah. Yeah. Give your tickets ready. All aboard. I wonder what the FOB terms are. <laughs>